0: Hi everyone, welcome to Third Spacing, the podcast where we talk about important issues on the peripheries of clinical medicine. Today I talked to Associate Professor Tan Kong Bing of Pathology and the Phase 2 Director for the past six years. The reason why I wanted to talk to Prof Tan was when I was a second year medical student, which seems like a long time ago, Prof Tan stood out to me as a clinical educator who particularly cared about the welfare of the students. He was always very approachable around campus, and he always started out his emails, which were right before CAs or pros, um, with how are you, how are you doing, Um, if there's anything, please sound it out, which was incredibly reassuring for someone who really struggled during the preclinical years. Friends who needed to talk to him after failing CAs or pros and take subs were unanimous in what they said about him, which was he was kind, supportive, and not judgmental at all. This is exactly what I want to talk to Prof Tan about, mental well-being of medical students, and feedback. Where exactly does our feedback go to? How exactly does it enact change in our curriculum? From Prof Tan, change doesn't happen overnight, and even if it doesn't seem like it, this school takes our feedback extremely seriously. More often than not, we're not the ones who are benefiting from the feedback that we give, but that makes it all the more important for our continued engagement. Hi, Prof. I, mean, I was thinking maybe we could start from the beginning. So, how do you even get involved in medical education?
1: Actually, medical education by right should be uh, it's part and parcel of doctoring. La. I think the, 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 the word doctor comes from the Latin word doxie, uh, which means to teach. La. So, I think most doctors uh, find it natural to teach. For me, I guess I have a special affinity to teaching. I think I'm quite a patient person. So I like explaining things to people and clarifying their doubts. Yeah. My, my CG mate and my good friend at that time, CG Jian, who is now head of anesthesia and TTSH, he used to joke with me. He said, wow, Ping, you you really like teaching. Every time you have the opportunity, you try to share your knowledge. Even topics that you do not know so much about, you also still try to teach. I got to give it to you.
0: <laughs> Since you have been working as a, ah. a petto educator for so long, do you yes, notice yes. if anything has changed over the years in terms of
1: um, the students or... Pathology, in, in, in my time, there was 30 plus years ago, uh, it was taught as a standalone subject. Right? I mean, granted, it was a central science, meaning that it was taught after the preclinical sciences like anatomy, biochemistry, and physiology, and it was taught before the clinical sciences. So to a large extent, pathology is still like that now. Uh, but the difference is that uh, there's uh, a lot more uh, integration of pathology with, with the paraclinical subjects like microbiology, pharmacology. So we, we do try to put our lessons close together so that, uh, you know, when you learn about the cardiovascular disease. of uh, And of course, the capstone event is the CLC, whereby through an unfolding case scenario, we get you guys to work through a series of problems that hopefully will highlight the patho aspects with the pharmaco, with the clinical. Know, and putting in the pathophysiology as well, yeah. Students-wise, you guys are definitely, if I may say the cliche word, digital natives. <laughs> so that's part and parcel of life now, yeah. So in our time, we have no webcast, so everyone has to attend the lecture. And lecture, the, when you attend the lectures, then you can get the lecture notes. So lecture attendance was close to 100%. So lectures were also a time that we socially get together, so it was quite natural. But now you have so much more options. You have online teaching, you have the webcast. I think the options are so much more for the students now and, and both students and the teachers, we are trying to adapt to this, uh, the, 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 are adapting to the times. Yeah, but otherwise students in, in your time and my time, are still the same. You know? We are all trying to be good medical students. We're trying to learn as much as we can, try to graduate and become a houseman. I think it's quite interesting is how medical education is always improving
0: and always seeking better ways of teaching medicine. So I was wondering, like, how, who was that specific person who uh, one day said, "Oh, I think we should integrate um, all the different paraclinical sciences," or was it like, just how did it happen?
1: Oh, uh, actually, the school has put a lot of effort into this. Yeah, I think this was an effort driven by the dean and the vice dean, both from Prof Hui's time, from before Profi Prof Ko and uh, Prof Ko Da and then now uh, Prof Lao Tang Ching. They 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 wanted they were quite sure that we 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 did not want to be teaching in silos, you know, because uh, knowledge is always uh, interrelated. And when students and teachers can interrelate knowledge, it's always more meaningful and more effective. So um, to avoid teaching in silos, first of all, the timetable planning is primarily looked at by the phase director. And he tries to, you know, with all the help of the different programs and the subject leads to try to place them in a coherent manner. Uh, But actually, there was one uh, interesting event that brought us all together. Uh, we call that a wall charting exercise. So it's like on a, on a particular day, all the lecturers block off their time and then they, they, they get together in the, in, the, in the MPH one. And then what happens is that uh, from wall to wall, there's all these white boards. And then we have these sticky pads too. And every sticky pad is one teaching lesson, maybe a peto lecture on cardiovascular disease. Then on another sticky pad is uh, pharmacodrugs on cardiovascular drugs. So every learning event has one sticky pad. Then we all sit there and week by week, in the academic year, we go to, to figure out how best to put the learning events in a sequential manner that is meaningful. I think we need that because if not over the course of time, uh, because of the shifting schedules, you things may become out of place again. So we we, di- we need that exercise to kind of uh, housekeep and to keep things correct for you. New things become relevant and some uh, things are becoming irrelevant, we have to remove. So there's always opportunity to think about what are the new lessons that should be included like and, and what are lessons that are perhaps uh, redundant or can be consolidated. Yeah, so like, 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 for example, at one time, you know, because of the graduate exit interview questionnaire by your seniors, we realized that substance abuse and child abuse and certain ethical aspects of medical care was not being duly emphasized in the curriculum. So then the CI task force and the phase committees will look at that and then say, okay, I think we need these uh, learning activities inserted for the coming AY. So even when there's no big wall-charting exercise, from year to year, we can uh, include things and we can subtract things as appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. Fine-tuning. Huh? Always uh, life is like that. Uh, work's in progress. What I'm doing is, mm. So Prof Tan, you've been face
0: director for, as you have told me, six years. And you have six recently years, yeah. stepped down from being the face to... So Prof Tan, can you maybe like share with us like some reflections from your,
1: from your experience as face director? For me, my philosophy was always to be open and friendly yeah because i think to run any academic program one of the important things is that there must be this openness and there must be also frequent uh, channels for students to to touch base with the teachers and vice versa yeah otherwise it can be rather impersonal for a big class of 300 students yeah so uh, as face director what i, I I did, I tried to find uh, ample opportunities uh, to, to connect. with them. And if I, I cannot see the students face to face, I'm a bit old-fashioned. I need no email. <laughs> so I, I, I sent out the occasional emails or, or periodic emails to touch base with the students, to check in on them. I think just to find out what, what, what's what's happening on their side and what the school can do better. Yeah.
0: You mentioned the emails which you uh, used to send out. And I remember when I was in M2, it used to be a highlight of the day whenever you sent those emails. So I actually, I went to go dig up my email inbox. And some of the things, and I noticed that you always started your email with like, how are you feeling? What we thought about, what was going on? So I actually really, really appreciate appreciated it. Because now that when you're an entry and feedback is gathered from, it always feels like it's this like faceless feedback
1: portal. I get to meet the students a lot. Um, a lot of students face to face, especially those who are not doing well for the CAs. Or in the exams. So the school has a radar and we keep track of your classmates who are not doing well. And, and then the, the phase director will, will at, at least at, at phase two level, will call them up to have a chat with them. Yeah, Actually, I found these uh, interactions with the struggling end of the class uh, meaningful because uh, I have an opportunity to try to help them and find out what's, what's going on. So, uh, and, and it, 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 when I see them succeed, ultimately it brings uh, great satisfaction. Uh, yeah. Okay, generally speaking, performance in the preclinical years are, are not entirely. Uh, correlated with performance in the clinical years yeah, the, the correlation is uh, talking to the students i i find that they, they, they fall into three broad groups you know uh, why they are not doing well the first group of students are actually they are very good students they are achievers but they had overcommitted. i think to but uh, the balance can tip the other way whereby their academics may be neglected and then they end up uh, failing the cas Yeah. the second group which i was very worried about is those who have, who have who, whose mental well-being uh, has been uh, compromised la, during the rigors of medical school. Right? And then they ended up now either depressed or anxious, if I may say. Yeah. And then the third group is a, a mixed group. They, they could have been having some financial difficulties, maybe in the family, or they broke up with their boyfriend or girlfriend and they are sad now. Uh, so those relationship ones, they they will re, they can recover You know, financial or so uh, other social problems. Uh, usually we work closely with student affairs with Prof Mary Clement and you know we the school is usually able to link them up to help you know to to help them out. Yeah. So the the, the students who are who are overly committed in CCAs, they tend to do well uh, after some pep talk and to re rearrange their priorities. They they study harder and you know they tend to be So the students that I'm worried about are those whose mental well-being were compromised by the stressful environment of phase two and the clinical years. And then they have difficulty sleeping, they cannot concentrate in their studies, uh, and they have very low energy levels. Unfortunately, there's a small handful every year that I encounter. Of course, uh, phase director and teachers cannot deal with them alone. Sometimes we pick up struggling students through their classmates. There were a few times in the past where uh, good-meaning classmates had surfaced to us. Uh, so-and-so classmate looks ill or has lost a lot of weight recently, you know. And, you know, uh, she, she, this classmate may, may not be uh, so engaged with our activities nowadays also. Uh, so this, that, 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 I, I've had occasional instances like that. And uh, the, school, the school values such uh, contact because, uh, again, but luckily I have good colleagues in student affairs. Prof. Marie Clement and Ms. Chong and the team. They're wonderful. Uh, usually, we will uh, counsel the students. And uh, if need be, uh, we would uh, give a referral to the student for professional help. New counselors, uh, psychomed, uh, physicians who can help the students, yeah, help them through their difficulty. Yeah. And uh, yeah, some of them recover. In fact, many of them recover. And uh, I've seen some of them now as uh, MOs and residents. And uh, it makes me very happy. Does my mind have a rhythm? And I mean, the tragedy would be to not identify them early enough and they go through until M4, M5 and crash out. That, that is really a great race. Yeah, if if they could, you know, give them a chance. But I think we should try to identify such students as early as possible so that intervention can be given, yeah. yeah.
0: As a student, right, and you're keying in all this feedback stuff on the bottle, I feel like we don't know what, what's, what's, what's how the feedback is being used. Like, what, what happens behind the scenes? Prof Tan, is it okay if you could share, like, as a face director... Or someone involved in medical education. Can you explain like how? What? What is the process like?
1: Is- yeah, I can share with you. Yeah, the feedback, uh, the student feedback scores is uh, really important for the school, uh, for the departments, and for the individual lecturers. Okay, the it is really important because uh, okay on on the on, on the side of the students. Of course, the the feedback helps us to know what's going right and what's not going right. You know, and what what is a good lesson that you're looking for who are the lecturers that you're, you know, finding the classes are engaging and which are not. And uh, it will thus help us in the planning of the classes. Uh. Unfortunately, it may not help your current batch, but it, will, it can help the, your juniors who are coming up next year. So, well, I mean, the, the, fee, the feedback scores uh, are actually important for the department's and the individual's appraisal, to tell you honestly. The, as you know, uh, clinicians uh, in, the, in the hospitals and in the university, uh, even the preclinical tutors, uh, we we are appraised on uh, various domains: on clinical, on research, on teaching, and on administration. And uh, each each of these uh, domains can be tied to our bonus. You know, <laughs> yeah. So education is one, right? So education is one, and one of the major indicators in the education domain is actually student feedback scores. Yeah, it's, it's quite impossible uh, for any one teacher or clinician to be good in everything. And I think that's also the, it's a lesson in life in general, right? That we, we cannot be successful and win everything. You know, we, 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 we can't have it all. <laughs> so sometimes the, and and so some people are stronger in education and some are stronger in research and some are stronger in clinical. So everyone at the end of the day does get something. Everyone gets something in different things. Yeah. And I would like to feel that on the long run, you, you do and excel in what? You feel most passionate about and be recognized for that and I, I i do feel that it balances out the feedback will help the subsequent
0: batches after us right yes i was yeah. just thinking so so in what way in what, what are the processes involved would feedback be brought up at those like uh meetings or those
1: channels yes it, it can work at the task force level or at the at the, at the department level so if, if if you like a particular clc or if you like CLCs in general, and they always get hit with a high score, then the, the school will definitely want to have preserve it or have even more of it. If, if the lectures are not getting good scores, and actually in general, interactive classes like tutorials get higher scores than lecturers. And and, and actually, we have been observing this feedback trend over the years. So actually, always that the school is asking us to, to, to reduce lectures that are not interactive and, and and to figure out how to make the lectures better. So it, it is taken notice of like, at, at different levels of the school. And, yeah, and if a particular lecturer is, uh, or tutor is not doing well, the it, when it comes to the annual appraisal and the head of department will see, eh, hey, how come the feedback is always so low? Uh, I think the head will bring it up to the staff. Either the the, 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 the tutor needs to improve the delivery or sometimes it will be replaced la, by another tutor. That that can happen, yeah. Then your juniors will, will be the ones that will see the benefit. So
0: I was just thinking about like for you, right, Prof, that like mm-hmm. when you were face director, and, like, one of your goals was to be very open and friendly um, and approachable. I would imagine that, like, this isn't in the... Because it's, like, a soft skill, right? It's not, like, a KPI. Like, it's not, like, oh, how many students have you influenced? Or how many students have you talked to? Like, it's not a KPI. So, yeah. I, was, I was wondering, like, do you feel like that effort which you did in making M2 a bit more approachable and more friendly do you think that was like is that something which you were, which was not like rewarded for or when you are doing um, things which you believe are good but not necessarily reflected in the KPIs or the criteria
1: and mm. actually I, I, I think I was fortunate I, I didn't have a problem with that I I did my phase two uh, directorship work as best as I could I, I found meaning in it in being able to engage and help the students so I mean the, there was a personal satisfaction. In, in, in enjoying the work but at the end of the year I, I believe I, I did get my just rewards material rewards regarding that yeah but if I perhaps you're asking a more general question in life is like when you're doing something you feel very meaningful and whether or not you get materially rewarded how do you handle that i I feel like that we we, we should always uh, try to do our duties as best as we can uh, it is uh, most ideal if what we are doing that the duty that we're doing, that the organization values is aligned to our personal personal uh, passion or our personal inclination as well, then, then that would be the best. I, I feel that hobbies uh, and what you like to do that are not recognized, but although they are not recognized by your job or by society, but if they bring about mental well-being, then I think that's very important, right? I mean, uh, that is priceless, if I may say. It's not tied to your paycheck or bonus, but it makes you happy. It takes a bit of time away from your work performance. It you know be it, uh, spending time on a sport, or hobby, or with your loved one, or with a good friend, just talking about the uh, anything under the sky. I think I think life has to be a balance uh, between working for enough to feed yourself and what makes you happy and nourishes your soul. <laughs> yeah,
0: I was wondering maybe you could like say a few words to students who are who. Who are struggling a lot in m1m2 and and like dealing with a lot of like existential anxiety about like their place in world.
1: I would say um hang in there it has not been easy for you to come into school of medicine right I mean literally it's the 300 warriors <laughs> out of so many and you have really earned your place here and you are here for very noble reasons I'm sure you know to apply science to help people get better uh, m1m2 it's It may not capture the clinical life that what most of you be doing very well, okay, but it is the knowledge heavy foundation that will that you need to go through to set you up well enough like, to be a good clinician so it's going to be a very tough year i mean i mean I won't be surprised it's a tough year for you um with so much to cover, but I think take take comfort of where you came from and that your peers are your classmates are with there with you you know are, Talk to your friends to find out how they are coping. They, they are having their own struggles too. Just uh, We might have only some contact with you here and there, but uh, we are only an email away. And if uh, need be, even in these COVID times, we can talk to you on Zoom or on the phone. You know, we really want to see you hang in there. Yeah. If your fundamental uh, objective has not changed to be a doctor, uh, treat it as a part of your journey towards uh, the clinical years. Keep in touch. Let us know how we can help you. All right. You're not alone.